So let's uh, open our Bibles tonight and just get in the Word. Uh, again, speaking of Ruth, she, that she'd want us just to keep on keeping on. Uh, she was one of those kind of people. And so I want to ask you to open your Bibles with me tonight, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at a few verses of Scripture from 1 Corinthians, and then we're going to look at uh, Scripture in Ephesians. We're going to mention the first chapter of James. So we're going to be jumping around here and there. You can follow along or just listen as we read verses, but I believe it'll be good for us. Amen. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, or we learned that that means spiritual things, things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. That includes gifts, but all other manifestations that he's going to talk about in the uh, coming verses. And then if you'll skip down for just a moment to verse 4, uh, you can read the verses in between uh, at your leisure. But verse 4 says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of gifts. Now, go over to 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 1. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, Follow after charity or love. It's what the uh, word means there. God, the God kind of love. And desire spiritual gifts. Again, the word gifts is italicized. Desire things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit. But he says then, rather that you may prophesy. Now, um, let's go to the book of Ephesians. Just turn over a few pages in your Bible. Go, go to the right a little bit. To the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 3. Keep in mind what we just read about spiritual gifts, things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit. And notice here in chapter 1 of, and verse number 3 of the book of Ephesians that the Apostle Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath or has, so that's past tense, it's already been done or given in this case, who has blessed us with all, that means all, I mean, even in the Greek, that would mean all. Blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, we can see from these verses and putting these truths together that when it comes to the things of the Spirit, they are already available. They have already been given. These are not things that we're asking God to do as a first time that he's ever done them. We're not asking him to give us something that he hasn't already stated. It is his will that we have. And as a matter of fact, based on Ephesians 1, 3, these spiritual blessings are already ours. Now, wouldn't you agree that the gifts of the Spirit spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and also expounded further in chapter 14, wouldn't you agree that those spiritual gifts are part of these spiritual blessings that are already given. And I have a reason for going in this direction. We're going somewhere, so I'm not just trying to talk in circles or riddles. But I want you to notice that this is something really that's already imparted. It's already given, as far as that's concerned, legally to the church. Which brings us to a great truth that we need to understand about spiritual blessings. Because spiritual blessings, though they are already ours, bought and paid for by the redemptive work of Jesus through the blood of Jesus, 
there is a process of bringing them into manifestation. They don't just happen apart from us. That's why people that don't know anything about these gifts, people that have no real desire for them, people who don't care to learn, to cooperate, or as we're saying in this series of teaching, make room for the Holy Ghost, they don't have them. They just don't manifest. I think it's, you know, it would be funny, I guess, if it weren't so sad that there are churches who, they're just really afraid that that Holy Ghost stuff might get in their church. You know, this, this tongue stuff and praying for the sick and all this stuff. Well, you know, you want to say, but the Lord always helps us to be nice, but you want to say, don't worry about it. With that attitude, it's not going to happen. You don't have to be afraid. If you don't want it, it's not coming. Now, let's go to the book of James chapter 1 and tie this verse in with this same line of thinking. James chapter 1, and uh, the apostle James gives us a truth that you already know. Matter of fact, you know this verse when we get to it. You'll, you'll say, oh yeah, that's familiar. But in James chapter 1 and verse number 17, it says, every good gift... Now think about Ephesians 1, 3. He has blessed us already with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Every good gift, James here says, and every perfect gift is from above. Now you also realize in Ephesians 1 and verse 3 that he makes clear that we are blessed with these spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In other words, it's all given in the spiritual dimension. The key is getting it from that dimension manifested into this dimension. And that's one of the greatest assignments of the church. Not just church services, where there is a, certainly a responsibility upon pastors and leadership in a church to be open to the Holy Spirit and to and to create uh, an atmosphere of knowledge and expectation so these things can manifest. But it's also a part of our lives every day as believers away from the church, apart from this building, when we're not having a service, that we also learn how to see these gifts and blessings from God manifest from that realm to this. James says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down. So what we see in this verse is, though the blessings have already been provided in the spiritual realm, it's necessary for them to come down. So that's what our worship and praise is about. That's what our teaching is about. That's what the whole function of the church in, in its services and in our everyday living as we live in this world, it's all about bringing heaven down to earth. Bringing the things of God into manifestation in this life here. He says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So it doesn't even look like God's going to change. The good gifts and perfect gifts are available. So how, how do we get them manifested? And what are they? What do they look like? 
Well, in going back to where we started, 1 Corinthians 12, 1, he begins this, this section of teaching, this part of the letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, which gives us some of the most detailed teaching about the spiritual gifts that you can find anywhere in the New Testament. He starts this section by saying, Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, or things of the Spirit, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. But yet so many are. So many churches, so many individuals. Why would God want us not to be ignorant of things that would, as some tell us, that we're going to just pass away in a few years? You know, there is a school of thought. Some of us came out of these kinds of theological schools, you might say, of thinking that uh, the supernatural, things like healing ministries, prophecy, even speaking with diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues, that all those things, would they all passed away somewhere around, around in the first century. And some even say, well, when the last apostle died, that's when all this ceased. No more sign gifts, as, as they say. And then some also will say, well, you know, when the last uh, verse of the Scripture was uh, written, the last part of, of Scripture as we know it was given, the canon of Scripture, that uh, then all of these supernatural utterances and all these supernatural manifestations, that they passed away. But, you know, when you think about it, it just doesn't even begin to make sense that by the time you get to Paul's letter to the Corinthians, if those theories were true, then it wasn't going to be too long. If that, if that were true, it wasn't going to be too long to all that's going to be done away with anyway. Why would there need to be any teaching on these issues? And if, as some others actually say, the only people used in these ways were the, uh, what was left of the original 12 apostles and maybe Paul, then why in the world would Paul instruct the church about gifts that they had no access to? That nobody in their, their congregation would ever be used anyway? You see, it just doesn't make sense. Why would Paul instruct the entire church? Why would he have this letter written which he knew and the intent was that it would be read to the whole congregation. Why would he instruct the entire church about things that were only available to a select few for a brief period in church history? These things must be necessary for us. If God gave us so much information, he wanted us to know this for a reason. And why would he need to tell us the same thing over and over. In other words, some people might ask the question, well, why didn't these same instructions go? Uh, why don't we find them many, many times over in the New Testament? It's because we, we've got them here. We don't, have the, we don't have to have them 15 more times. We have these. I'm trying to answer some questions that maybe you have kinfolks and maybe people you work with, neighbors, folks that you know, that they just don't see the importance of the things of the Spirit. Or they're in that camp that believes that all these things were done away at certain, uh, a certain point in history and that they're no longer available. But I'm here tonight to tell you that these gifts are as much a part of the church's toolbox and as much a part of what the church is about as they ever were. There are more needs 
There are more people and more needs today than there has ever been. In spite of all the modern miracles of medical science, in spite of all the modern uh, conveniences of a modern world, men have more needs now than they have ever had. And there is no way to meet a spiritual need apart from the power and the person of the Holy Ghost and the word which he inspired. And so, <clears throat> when we look at a scripture passage like 1 Corinthians 12, for instance, we are not looking at ancient history. We're not looking at something that applies only to preachers. We're not looking at something that applied only to the original uh, 120 on the day of Pentecost or the original 12 disciples or whatever. We are looking at instructions for us. Now, in our last session, which was two weeks ago, we, uh, and by the way, Nick did a wonderful job here last week. <coughs> Actually, our last session on this was three weeks ago because two weeks ago, Brother Taylor was here. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but, uh, so we, we were talking that in that time about desire. Some of you may remember that. You know, preachers might try to flatter themselves, think everybody remembers everything they preach, but I know they don't. One reason I know that is because I don't even remember everything I preached. I have to go back and listen to the tapes myself. Praise the Lord. I need to be reminded over and over and over again. But, uh, but we talked about, and you might remember when I bring it up, if you were here, we talked about desire. Ask you of the Lord reign in the time of the latter rain, Zechariah 10.1, and how that, that if we don't desire the things of the Spirit, that we're not going to have them manifested. And that's what we read early on in 1 Corinthians 14.1 that we are to desire things of the Spirit. And so it's my job as a pastor and as a Bible teacher, it's my job to teach you to desire the things of the Spirit, to not be afraid of them, to not be intimidated by them, but to desire them and to hunger for them and to allow yourself, and, and of course myself as well, that we allow ourselves to be taught how these things work and how they operate. It's so, so important. And so we want to take a little bit of time to look at this. In verse number 4, again, we read this earlier, but we'll read it once more. He says, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 5, and there are differences of administrations or ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. We see the Trinity in these three verses. We see the Spirit in verse 4. We see the Lord Jesus in verse 5. We see God the Father in verse 6. So there is complete unity and complete harmony in the Trinity of God concerning these manifestations. And notice in verse 4, the word diversities is used. Verse 5, the word differences is used. And in verse 6, again, the word diversities are used. I think that he's trying to tell us something, that not every manifestation of the Spirit is going to look the same. Not every gift is going to be the same gift. Not every time that we would gather will there actually be even the same kind of a service. And one of the reasons that religious tradition can be so destructive, I'm not talking about a good tradition, but I'm talking about the traditions of men. The reason they can be so much of a hindrance to the manifestations of God is because people get more used to 
their traditions, then they are expecting a move of God. And if we're not careful, even as Pentecostal people, full gospel people, charismatic people, whatever term you want to use, we can get to the place where though we don't have a written order of service, we don't have a liturgy uh, per se as the quote high churches have, but yet we almost have like an unwritten order or an unwritten liturgy. And we have to be very careful that we don't get caught up in a rut. Now you might say, well, every time we meet, we start out with singing and praise. Well, that's because the Bible teaches us to do that. The Bible says to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. Uh, It's said that the evangelist Smith Wigglesworth many years ago did a meeting and, and he got off onto that and he said, how many of you came in here praising God when you came in? And not all, there wasn't very many hands that went up. He said, every one of you go out and come back in. Do it right. So, Nick, there's you an idea. Amen. Uh, every one of them had to go back out and come back in praising the Lord. Well, he taught them a lesson that we're still talking about today all these many years later. Uh, but the thing that, that it's important is to understand that certain things, God says, that's the way I want it. But then we have to be careful that we don't just get in a rut even with those kinds of things, that we don't always just do the same thing the same way and, and all of that. And so, you know, there is, uh, people are comfortable with their traditions. We like things the way we like it, don't we? You know, I've got a recliner that I sit in, and I'm, I'm, I can see as we go along that I am, uh, I am in the process of wearing it out. And uh, it doesn't look as good as it used to. I've spent many happy hours there, some awake, some asleep. Uh, but anyway, uh, it, it's, uh, uh, we like our routines, don't we? You know, uh, I'll give you a little, uh, this, I would say a pro tip, a pro, a pro relaxer. That's what I am. I'm a, I relax, I'm a pro at relaxing. So this is a pro tip. Go to uh, the Hobby Lobby or Walmart or somewhere and get you one of these little potpourri things, you know, these heaters, a candle warmer, and uh, that, you know, it's got the little switch on the thing. Plug it in on the table beside your worn out recliner and turn it on and put your coffee cup on it. And it will keep your coffee warm without, you know, getting it too hot. Pro tip, praise the Lord. <laughs> There's nothing spiritual about that, but you're glad you heard it. I know, praise the Lord, at least some of you are. Praise the Lord. Anyway, we like routines. But there's something about God and His great care for us and His great love for us that there are just times He likes to shake things up. I think He knows when we need that, you know. And so uh, don't expect everything to always be the way it always is every single time. Let's be open to the Holy Spirit and let's desire the things of the Spirit, whatever that He might want to do. Because there are diversities of gifts and there are differences of ministries and there are diversities of operations. But, verse 7, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And so these manifestations of the Spirit, whether they are gifts or ministries, whatever they may be, these are given for our profit. So there's one way we judge spiritual things. Is it doing any good? Is there any benefit to it? 
You know, uh, I've been saved long enough and I've been around full gospel circles long enough till I've been in meetings where I would have to say when I left, that didn't do much good. I've seen some weird stuff. I mean, I must admit, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a full gospel person, so I can, I can talk about us. But it seems that we have more than our share of kooks. <laughs> more than our share of people who uh, just, I don't know, they seem, to go, uh, they seem to go off the reservation from time to time. And, uh, of course, it doesn't help us at all, but people do that. We love everybody, and we want to help everybody. But I've also noticed that uh, if there is a, a semblance of order in a church, if there is pastoral authority that is delegated on through to all the various aspects of ministry, all the way down to ministering to the children or whatever, if there is a sense of, of authority based on Scripture and, and based in love, a lot of people that would create mischief just don't want to chance it. Amen. And uh, anytime you see a church where, where there's always something going on that's kind of kooky and weird, it's a leadership issue. Somebody's not leading properly. And if the leadership is the head kook, then you need to find another church. <laughs> Amen. So I, I won't stay on this very long, but I, you know, I, want, I want you to know that when we talk about the things of the Spirit, we're not talking about things that's going to make you afraid to invite somebody. Now, I know we get loud, and I know sometimes we do run and jump and make noise, and sometimes that bothers people, but, but I'm saying uh, <clears throat> that really is harmless. We're praising God, and so it's, we're not going to hurt anybody with it. But uh, if things get way out there beyond the Scripture, then they're out there too far for us. Amen. And so there are, uh, there, there are manifestations of the Spirit that are given to every man. Say every man. Amen. Say that means me too. So you see, this is not just for the preacher. This is not just for an evangelist or a pastor or somebody that is uh, in charge of a certain aspect of the ministry. This is for everybody. So what I want you to leave tonight thinking, and I would like for you to think about this for the next while in your own life, is how does God want to use me? Because if, I am, if there's something for me, a manifestation from the Spirit that, I'm, that I can uh, profit from, then what is that? Where do I fit? Now, obviously, all of these are not going to happen in the context of a service that lasts an hour and 15 minutes or two hours or even three hours. If it were to go long, you know, that'd be a long service for us here in America, a three-hour service. But even at that, if a church has any number of people in it at all, it's not going to be possible that all those manifestations would happen within those those little slots of time in the week. So obviously, just common sense really would tell you that, that a number of these manifestations are going to happen outside this church building. They're going to happen beyond 12 noon on Sunday. They're going to happen beyond 8 o'clock or 8.10 on Wednesday night. That means you can expect manifestations of the Spirit in your living room. You can expect them on your job. You can expect them wherever you might be. The first time that the Lord ever gave me an interpretation of an utterance in tongues was in my bedroom. I had never spoken out like that uh, to, to give an interpretation 
in a public place. One time I found myself speaking in tongues rather loudly in a service and I had fallen under the power of God and I, I came to myself speaking in tongues. I didn't know that I was going to do that. I didn't try to do it. I would just yielded. I completely yielded, obviously, to the Lord and that began to roll out. But the first time that I ever interpreted an utterance in tongues was actually not even in the church. And when you read about some of our great heroes of faith and whether they were in ministry or whether they were even testimonies about what we call laymen, you'll find that many times some of the mighty manifestations of the Spirit that you can read about didn't happen in a church service. They happened in people's bedrooms. You know, many of you are familiar with uh, Brother Hagen, and, uh, uh, you know, he, he was a person that, that I really uh, listened to, still listen to. As a matter of fact, we just listened to him not before last, I think. Uh, or last night, I was listening to him. And, uh, you know, when it's about 4 o'clock in the morning and, and somebody's preaching, it's fine. And then all of a sudden, this crazy commercial came on. And so I, I had to get rid of the commercial. But anyway, um, Brother Hagen, if you follow his ministry, if you, if you know anything about him, many of the testimonies of the great miracles he talks about happened outside his church services. He's got a lot of good ones that happen in church. But there were healings that occurred in people's homes. And he would talk about that he would go and he would regularly go with some people in those early days when he had the time to do it and the congregation was very small. He would go and he would regularly visit people and he would just read the scriptures to them. He'd basically teach them what you would be hearing on these old recordings, you know, because Brother Hagin's been gone for years, nearly 20 years. And uh, he would teach them what you're hearing. He would, he would go through those scriptural principles and teach them and hold them, hold them up against the word, he called it. And um, he would tell people, you know, uh, that would tell him, you know, that they, uh, you know, if, if, if they were, thought they were ready to go, he'd say, well, let the Lord heal you and then go. You know, and um, but he was in a day where people were willing to listen, and they were willing, and they had the time. We live in a modern world; it's it's tough sometimes to minister to people like that. Uh, can I just make this observation? I think all of us are too busy. I think probably we have our schedules too full. There are spiritual things that are not going to happen in your little five-minute slot. <laughs> We need to learn to wait on the Lord. That's a biblical principle. And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. If you're, if you, if you're growing weak in an area, whether it's a physical weakness, a mental or emotional weakness, or a spiritual weakness, you need to wait on the Lord. And lots of wonderful things happen when we wait. Uh, one thing is we hear from God. And we are told from the Lord what to do about our situation. And then another thing that happens when we wait on the Lord is we are filled up with His power. And His glory begins to rest upon us. And that power will heal your body. That power will restore your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. You, there's a, there is a tremendous blessing in waiting on the Lord. And so we need to understand that it's, 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 it's something we should come to expect. I guess if we were 
kind of given a key word for these lessons. The last one that I gave you would be the word desire. Tonight would be the word expectation. Expectation. And I, I want to encourage you, no matter how... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? No matter how inexperienced you may think you are. Another word would be no matter how unqualified you may think you are about these manifestations of the Spirit. God will qualify you. God will use you. You need to get beyond that and you need to get beyond this place of just looking that somebody else is spiritual, somebody else has testimonies, somebody else is used by God, and begin to look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm talking to you. Yes, you. You are called of God. You are a part of the body of Christ. You have the ability to hear from God, and you have the Holy Ghost inside of you. Therefore, all gifts and ministries of the Spirit that would need to flow through me can and will flow through me and expect it. Don't be afraid to ask people to pray. You know, if somebody uh, knows you're a Christian and they call you on the phone or they see you in the store and they start talking about a need... Just grab their hand and pray. Don't ask them, can I pray? Don't ask. Just do it. If they get offended, say, I'm sorry you're offended, but prayer will help you and go your way. Be assertive. Be assertive. And don't let people dump on you all their symptoms and situations and the doctor's report. I mean, you, we all know these people. We've all met these kind of people. They seem to have a knack for memorizing long medical terms and the names of medications. I, you know, it's the mean streak in me sometimes that would want to say, could you memorize scripture like you memorize that stuff you're telling me? I don't ever say that, of course. I'm too nice. But, but you want to say it. You see... When people talk that, though, here's the point. That's what they expect. That's what they expect. That's where their mind is. That's where their heart is. That's where their faith is. And if you believe to be weak and sick, the devil will accommodate you every time. But if you believe to be healed and strong, God stands ready to accommodate you every single time. So one of the ways we change our life, including our body, is to change what we're saying. That has everything to do with this thing of expectation. So when we read these passages and we look at passages like 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, and other passages in the book of Acts, you read about those mighty occurrences, don't think that that's just for them then. Realize this is for me now. It's for me right now. Amen. And so before we go, because we're running out of time, um, let's look at this list, this basic list of, of the gifts of the Spirit, as we call them. For to one, we're in verse 8, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. And these are not just wise words like Proverbs or something really smart and wise that your grandma told you. But this is a supernatural gift that we'll explain a little more about. The word of wisdom to another, the word of knowledge. This is not just what you hear in a classroom or go to school for. 
This is a supernatural gift as well. And obviously it's different than the word of wisdom or there wouldn't be two of them mentioned. To another, faith. And we understand if you read and study this carefully, this is not talking about general saving faith that comes to everyone who hears the word, the gospel. As important as that is, this goes beyond to believe God for something that would be even uh, more than what the word promises as a basic right. You say, what in the world do you mean by that? Well, to raise the dead, for instance. We don't have a scripture that says that, that all of us can just go around raising the dead. That's one reason we're not doing it. The gift of faith would be required. Special faith, one translation renders it. Another renders it wonder-working faith. So this is faith, to use a common phrase, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but this is faith on steroids. This is faith on another level. That's given when the Holy Spirit comes upon people. Um, Again, I mentioned Wigglesworth earlier, the great English evangelist. He, he tells of a time when God used him to raise the dead. And he raised 23 people from the dead. So I'm interested in what he has to say. Because I'm still working on my first one. And uh, so he said that in one situation, he said, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, but it was no, no. And he continued to pray and seek God. And, and then he hit a vein, a gusher, you might say, until it was yes. And he was able to see someone raised from the dead. Now, that has happened to, to, to people. Even in, in, in more modern times, there have been people in other parts of the world where the dead have been raised. But you see, that wouldn't happen without a manifestation of this special gift of faith. All right, we'll keep moving because I can get bogged down on, on some of these and spend the rest of the night. He says, to another, the gifts of healing. And notice gifts is plural, and that's correct. Actually, in the, in the Greek, healings is also plural. And, of course, that gives us an, a really good basis of explanation as to why healing ministries are so different. That one person seems to uh, do it one way, and another person seems to do it very differently, but yet they get the same results. You know, we think of people like Miss Catherine Kuhlman. Uh, most, most of you, at least older f folks here, you know that name. She was mildly used of God in gifts of healings. But, you know, she didn't do prayer lines, as we call them. She didn't line people up across the front of an auditorium and lay hands on them. Now, Brother Hagin, for instance, he did. And uh, it was something to see, the anointing of God that would, would manifest. But Miss Kuhlman, the gifts of healings operated through her, and people were healed out in the congregation. And then they were brought up on the platform to testify of what had already happened. Now, she would lay hands on many of those people, and they would fall under the power, but they were already healed. So you see, there's two very well-known healing ministries in the, in the Pentecostal world that operated just completely different. Completely different. But yet, the Holy Spirit was moving. And so, you see, we need different kinds of ministries. No one person has it all. No one person can do it all. It takes everybody to make the body of Christ complete. 
Amen. So gifts of healings. Amen. To another, the working of miracles. And notice it's working. Working of miracles. That gift of faith we talked about a while ago, that was the gift that Daniel operated in when he slept all night with the lions and wasn't eaten. They brought him up out of the den of lions, threw his accusers in, and they were immediately eaten. So it's obvious the lions were hungry. But supernaturally, they did not eat Daniel. That was the gift of faith. He received a miracle. It was rather, in a sense, passive on his part. But miracles, this other gift, working of miracles, the word working is used. That's what Moses did at the Red Sea. There was action involved. He had to hold up the rod, stretch it forth. There were certain acts of obedience for that miracle to happen. And so he, he talks about, the word here rather, talks about the working of miracles. And then he says to another prophecy, that is, a, in, that is an inspired utterance in one's known tongue. And then to another discerning of spirits, that's to see into the realm of spirits. And that's not just discerning of devils, that would be included but I'm very weary of people that all they ever see is devils. There are more angels of God than there are demons. And so uh, discerning of spirits means to see into the spiritual dimension. And that's when God would, as we might say, roll back the curtain and allow us to see into that realm. And then he goes on to say to another, divers, that's the old King James word, it means diverse or different kinds of tongues. So these are languages that are spoken by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that are not learned in the mind of the individual, but they come from the spirit of the individual as the spirit gives utterance. And to another, he says, the interpretation of tongues. And of course, we understand all these nine gifts, as I said before, they may operate outside the church setting, and they should, and they will but yet, these gifts do operate within the church. And so the reason I mention that now is because you might speak in tongues because you're spirit-filled, just like they did in the book of Acts, but you may never give what we call a message in tongues in church. You may or you may not. But not everybody's going to be used in that way, and not everybody is going to give the interpretation of tongues in a public setting. Now, in your private prayer time, you pray in the Spirit, and God can give you the interpretation. And notice it's not translation, it's interpretation. So people wonder sometimes, well, why is the message short and the interpretation long, or vice versa? It's because we're not translating. We're not doing word-by-word, syllable-by-syllable translation. We are, we are giving an interpretation as the Spirit gives utterance. And, of course, there's, there are reasons why God has set these gifts in the church, and we're out of time, so I can't go into a lot of detail tonight, but I can tell you this. If these weren't needed, they wouldn't be in here. If God didn't want you to know about it, he'd have never told you this. If these weren't necessary, then this list would not be here. If these were optional, doesn't really matter whether you take them or not, then they would have been presented in that way, but they are not presented in an optional fashion. And I would suggest to you tonight that one of the reasons churches in many cases are powerless for the most part, not growing for the most part, dying and drying up for the most part, is because they refuse to make room 
for the Holy Ghost in this area. And we are determined as a church, we will not do that. We're going to stay open to the Holy Ghost. I know that that will make some people come and they'll have, they will come to this church and it'll be for them two trips in one, their first and their last. When they realize, you know, what we're doing, they don't want to be a part of it. I understand that. But I have determined to not allow that to keep me from pursuing God. If our pursuit of God and our pursuit of the things of the Spirit offends people to the point that they want nothing to do with us, then all I can say is goodbye. Because we are not having a church that is sensitive to what people want. We're having a church sensitive to what God wants. We're not a seeker-sensitive church. We are a Holy Ghost-sensitive church. And people that are ready to receive that and people that need that and want that, then that, that they will be drawn to that. And, of course, the more blessed we are, the more people are going to want to know what it's all about, and they're going to want to be a part of it. Amen? Hallelujah. And, you know, we say that about a lot of things. We say that about our giving. And by the way, we're at August 2nd, and we have already exceeded our goal for giving for this year. So if you remember our goal was $200,000. We have went beyond that already this year. Amen. And the year's not over, and we're not done giving. And you can see the lights are still on. We all look like we're well-fed and doing pretty good. It's amazing how God can supply the needs of people who will look to him. Amen? So, Father God, tonight we just want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for the privilege of worshiping you in spirit and in truth. We want to thank you, Lord, for the glorious opportunity to share the truths of the word of God that not only have the potential to change lives, but also provide the testimony from us that they have changed our lives. Lord, I know there's a whole lot more that we need to learn, and I know there's a whole lot further we need to go. But, Lord, we're hungry. We have desire, and we have expectation for the things of the Spirit to manifest. So, Lord, we do believe our best days are ahead. Our best services, our best meetings, our greatest results and greatest testimonies are yet to be given. And Lord, we just thank you that as we walk with you, as we wait upon you, as we obey you and live our life for you, that your power and presence is in us, upon us, and among us. And so we give you thanks and praise in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.